Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard as we kick off this Thursday, February 22nd. That's right, Sam Deuces or Wild. Bob, how are you, my friend? Good. Had a good night's sleep. Needed it. I started feeling yesterday. The last couple of days have been kind of busy, so I really haven't had a chance for any sort of semblance of a nap or anything midday. So uh, it started hitting me around dinner time last night and went to bed at a reasonable time. Slept well. Feeling good. Still kind of a warm day today. I know we're getting rain later, but sounds like most of the day is still going to be nice. I'm happy. How about you? Yeah, I went to bed a little early and and didn't, you know, keep track of my phone. And it was the first time I woke up to, like, surprising news. You know, outside of, like, a regular season West Coast NBA game that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things in, like, you know, January or early February. Last night went to bed assuming that Kentucky was running away from LSU and woke up and saw they actually lost. I was like, whoa, whoa, I missed out on the – the Kentucky fan coping online. I missed out on the message board screenshots. And that hurt a little bit. Sam, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Um, went home. Finished up an exam. Um, Smart boy. How'd yeah. you do? I think I did pretty well. Yeah. I think no I did instant pretty well. gratification on the online? No instant gratification. It's for like a finance class, so I don't really know yet. But I feel solid about it, so should be good. Um, yeah, and then just kind of went home from there. Knocked a couple uh, couple housekeeping things off. Just did a little bit of laundry. Kind of a boring day. And then watched a little bit of basketball. Went to bed early, though. You hear I, that, I, I, too, was surprised Sam. by the Kentucky uh, Kentucky outcome. Sam is also domesticated, ladies. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. There you go. <laughs> Find you a man who could do both. <laughs> Take a test. Balance your books. He's good at finance. What can I not do? And then he could balance your laundry and uh, cooking as well. Look <laughs> at him. A renaissance man over here. I went and played some trivia last night. Poor poor performance. Poor performance. Got, got her ass kicked. Poor performance. Not acceptable for what you normally put on? No, no. Missed two first-rounders. That's not a good side in, in this version of trivia where, you know, it's 5, 10, 15, 20, and the, the five-pointers are always super easy. Missed two of the of the five-pointers, so it, it was a bad – it was a rough, not, rough night from the get-go. It was stuck in the mud. It was stuck in the mud. And then I was sitting there, you know, afterwards watching the end of the Florida-Alabama game, and there was a Kentucky fan there who was in from out of town. And he was talking about, you know, if – if Kentucky runs the table and Alabama loses here, then we win the SEC. 
and he was feeling it. And I was like, I don't know if that's accurate. I was like, I feel like we'd beat you in tiebreaker, but I don't know. I want to do the math, I guess. It's like, if we beat Auburn, then anyways, I was like, we don't have to worry about it because Alabama took over in overtime. And then, of course, I like to think he was still sitting there at, at 11 o'clock whenever his big blue peed down their leg, rolled around in it, and tracked it all through the house. But I did the same thing in trivia, so I, you know I, I was kind of the John Calipari of of the trivia last night. Just couldn't lead my team to victory. So um, about the trivia, so what do you do to regroup now? Do you go back? Just and don't go back. Just retire. Just or, or do you, I was gonna say, man, no, don't give it up. Just, just go and start pouring over the internet and encyclopedias. Did you not hear me say I missed two five pointers, Bob? I'm washed up. I ain't got it no more. <laughs> You go to a new location? No, you quit. You retire. When the going gets tough, you quit. You realize you ain't got it no more, and you just you, you stay home. Is there going to be a presser about this? You gonna? This is my presser. I'm going quietly in the night. When you lose and everyone knows you're washed up, you don't have to have a press conference to tell everybody you're washed up. They just know. You just All of a sudden, they don't call you back. I'm not going to go out like Paul Pierce. You're not going to have me try to do my retirement tour and, and, and have Draymond Green screaming, they don't love you like that. Yeah. Thought you was Kobe as he's sitting on the bench looking sad during his final season. That's not going to be me. I'm just not showing back up. I quit. I retire. I suck. I did get the year question right, though. And I did get my movie questions right. And sometimes that's really all I'm there for. It's a show up. Get the movie questions. So right. you're like a specialist? They, you guys like? Yeah, I'm a specialist. I like that. Yeah. So, Geography guy, not me. You ask back in my prime what I would do after a bad trivia performance is, you know, for a week straight I studied the European map, the map of Europe, to, to familiarize myself with what countries were in what part, what seas are where, you know, just kind of trying to get a grasp on, you know, improving geography. Then I went to Asia. Then I went to Africa. And Africa, I was like, well, not going to do this one. Asia's like, not great at that one either. And I was like, I'm just not a geography guy. It's just not for me. States and capitals. I used to be great at it. I assume I can still do them. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, Sam, so don't ask me any because I, I don't want to. Wanna, yeah. You know, I, I think I still got a good grasp on that. Putting the states in order, feel pretty good about that. Honestly, if you put a map in front of me, I'd probably get like 46 or so of them. I, I might get a couple mixed up, so I don't want to act like I'm very confident. The Northeast still confuses me a little bit. But I think I'd still be pretty good at it. But that's my that's the extent that's the extent. I can pick out McMinn County on a map of Tennessee. Looks like a little arrowhead. Joseph McMinn. That's all I got. That's all I got geography-wise. So last night, was it, like you said, you kind of walked off into the night, and then you came home and saw Frank, and just, did you have a little chat, say, man, I think it's done. I think I'm done. He came in and saw, saw the look on my face, and he knew better. He just got into his got into his bed and just, just didn't come over in my lap and pick me up. He, was, he didn't want to talk to a loser <laughs> last no, night. No, yeah, the, 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 the smell, the stench of, of loss was all over me, and he's got a bad cough. He was drugged up. Meth head Frankie was just, you know, <laughs> bouncing around, and I guess he was crashing. He was ready to go to sleep. It was just, it was rough. But again, did get my year question, did get my two movie questions, and that's what I'm there for. It sounds like you're back next week, honestly. <laughs> no, no, no. Also, just 
It's the first time I think I've done anything at night. Or maybe like the second or third time I've done something at night at, you know, since we started the morning show. You mean like on a school night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weekends, I still get after it, Bob. Yeah. Weekends, I'm still holding on to that last bit of youth and desperation. <laughs> but no, during the yeah, school night, it's first time, maybe second time that I've gone out. And it's just not for me anymore. I need to be at home. I need to be at home in bed, winding down, not enjoying a couple White Claws, which I did, which did help me go to sleep earlier. But I woke up, and I just, I'm thrown off a little bit. I'm a, I'm a step slow today. So it's time to retire. It's time to stay at home. But, again, do want to reiterate, got my year question right, got my two movie questions right. So I did perform at least a little bit. At least a little bit. And then I said we should bet zero at the end because it was like it was like national or like worldwide landmarks or something. I was like, I don't know anything about geography. I'm not going to be of help. Let's just bet zero and hope it's really hard. Of course, we bet it all. That's what everyone wants to do. Bet it all. You're shaking your head yes, and That's you. I, I, I hate those guys <laughs> on my team. Bet it all. What do we got to lose? Points. And if we'd have bet zero, like smart people or even half of our points, we got, got second. Second place had nine points at the end. Nine points. Everyone missed except one team. I didn't think the one team got right. I think they just bet zero, actually. So we blew it. They didn't listen to my advice on that. So, I mean, I, I guess. I respect your other teammates. I guess technically I could have gotten second by myself because I'd have been like, hey, we're betting zero here. And maybe I could have actually finished second. Maybe I shouldn't retire. Maybe you play I, to win the game. Maybe I'm as good as ever. Maybe I really <laughs> strapped the team to my back and could have carried us to a second place victory if I had been a little bit more oomph, had more oomph and leadership ability. So maybe I'm as good as ever. Who knows? So one more question. So like when it ends last night, you guys bet it all, you lost. Yeah. Um, is there like Lawrence. a like a team huddle afterwards? Like you know, man. You just sit there at the table in shame. Bob. You, don't, you don't do what's what you do. You sit there in shame. What so, were the final geog? Like the, I can't even pronounce some know. of them. <laughs> I think I would have been good, really good at that. Like Machu Picchu and the Taj Mahal. I know where, you just had to put like what continent they're on. I knew that. Oh. But it was hard. It was hard. Like there was a couple that like. I guess caught people by surprise. I don't. I, again, there's one of them I can't even pronounce. But I mean, I'm an idiot when it comes to that. But for the whole bar to also be bad at it was a little surprising because it seemed kind of straightforward. You only had to get four or five too, but that's how tough one of them was. I guess if you miss one, because like there's only, you know, obviously seven continents, and one of them's not going to be Antarctica. So like yeah. you're kind of looking at a five out of six, and if you yeah. get one wrong, and then it's going to mess up too. So I think that's kind of what happened. If you thought one place was in Europe and it ended up not being in Europe, then you missed the one that's in Europe, then, yeah, you're kind of – got to run the table. Kind of cooked, yeah. So, yeah, we just sat there, and then I watched, like I said, the end of the Alabama-Florida game, and it was just a double whammy. Just a lot of silence. A lot of silence. Well, no. No, not a lot of silence because, again, I was happy to talk to that Kentucky fan who was telling me they're going to run the table and oh, that win the bad. SEC. Yeah, uh, That's after the, the trivia you, loss. Were yeah. you Rick Pitinoing your team? Like, this is the most pathetic no. performance I've no. ever been a part of. Like, no. I'm so embarrassed to be at trivia. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I did I did throw out one I told you so. We should have bet zero. I did say that one time, but then I let it go. He's like, hey, you should have passed the ball. You have to shoot every time. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to pass it. Play a little defense. You know. But, yeah, Florida-Alabama, that was a fun game. We'll dive into that after the break. It was probably the biggest story in sports last night outside of Big Blue Nation with Big Blue Tears. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. 
we are running out of opportunities. We are running out of opportunities to have Alabama drop one. It, it felt like one slipped through our fingers last night. I came out of it thinking Alabama's gettable, but also came out of it with a little PTSD from the LSU season where you just couldn't have LSU drop one, and they you know, end up winning the SEC with Will Wade. Because it felt like a game that Alabama should have dropped last night. Florida had them on the ropes. And they let them off the hook. Like the great Dennis Green would say. Florida's good, though. I really thought they were going to steal that. That does not look like the team that Tennessee beat, man. They have, uh, they have turned a page. I was very impressed with them. Uh, we were exchanging texts, and I was struck by how, you know, Sam mentioned how good their guards were, and I was like, that, what I kept thinking of when I said this was so poised, man. They, nothing was shaking them, but they, they kind of broke a little towards the end, unfortunately. But they're good. They got a good mix, too. They're big guys. They're blocking shots everywhere and pretty tough underneath. It was a good team. Yeah, I think Tennessee got fortunate to get them so early in the season. I do think that, kind of like what we talked about with last year's football schedule being uh, set up for success, I do think we kind of got a good basketball schedule as well that kind of sets you up for success. Not winning the conference this year would feel like a wasted opportunity. When you look at the break of getting Florida early, not having to go to Auburn, only getting them in Knoxville. Alabama scheduled down the stretch. It feels like you gotta gotta cash in here and add a add a number to your banner of SEC championships. Feels like anything short of that would be a pretty big disappointment at this point. Or a wasted opportunity, I should say. Maybe not a disappointment, but a, a wasted opportunity. Now, I also came out of that game thinking Alabama, not very good on defense, streaky from three. You know, they, they, they struggled from three in the first half of the game. And I came out thinking Tennessee is, is going to get them in Tuscaloosa. I do feel good about Tennessee's matchup there, but would have really loved to have seen Alabama drop that game to Florida. I'll tell you, the kid that kept them in the game, in my opinion, was uh, I think he's a freshman, that Walters kid. He hit some key three-pointers, came off the bench, had 14 points. It was that mo- It was that point in time where Florida kept hovering around like a seven, eight, nine-point lead, and then Alabama would come down and get a three from that kid just to keep it close. And uh, Because Sears wasn't doing a lot. Sears ended up getting some of what we expect from him late in the game at the most important points, but uh, it, was, it was tough. We had him. We had him. Yeah, for a second it looked like Alabama was going to lose and that Sears was going to light his SEC Player of the Year chances on fire. Instead, he made some plays down the stretch. Hit a couple jumpers, a three and a long two. Got to the free throw line. Played 43 minutes. Ends up with 17, 8, and 7. So a pretty good game and a a clutch win for them. So the race for both the SEC Championship and the SEC Player of the Year still, still hot and contested right now. 
Did you see, um, and it was, it might have even been, I think it was at the, more towards the end of regulation. Did you see when Nate Oates and uh, Todd Golden were at, it was like in game action at half court and they were like talking and, and then they, I mean, they were really close. And then all, and you, you could see Golden, I think, I don't know if Oates was giving him crap or what, but Golden said something to Oates. They both laughed and kind of, you know, bumped fists and it was weird at that point in the game at least i was surprised nate oates was being nice to somebody i know he was rocking a, a vibrant sport coat too yeah, i really don't like him <laughs> i really don't like him no. yeah we had talked about it you know a month ago about how i felt like alabama basketball to me is more hated than kentucky basketball and kentucky game week you know you, you kind of remember okay well we do still hate this team too but i do think that the alabama one's still different and like this year it's going to be ramped up and just watching him, and then of course you throw in the stuff from last year, and and he's just he just rubs me the wrong way. You and a lot of others that aren't Alabama fans. And then you like we said, Kentucky drops the ball, blows a double digit second half lead early in the second half. They blew it pretty quickly too, and Kentucky drops one, which is going to be a big for them when it comes to. That, that fourth and final double bye in the SEC tournament, Florida and, and Kentucky kind of scrambling both both after losing. But does last night affect how you feel about Saturday night when it comes to Alabama and Kentucky? Because Alabama didn't look great. Then, of course, neither did Kentucky. But if you, bu if you buy into a team being more motivated after a loss, maybe Kentucky comes out and plays better. Although we also saw them lose three straight at Rupp Arena. So, like, it's not even like Rupp's been a very hostile place this year. How do you feel about that game as we sit, you know, a couple of days away from it? Cal's just such a hard coach to figure out. This would be the type of game they bounce right back and play great. I mean, they could potentially even run Alabama out. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. We're going to have to be Kentucky fans for a, for a night. I got no problem with that. Yeah. I was gator chomping last night. Yeah, all day, really. I mean, we ended the show with gator chomping. Yeah, I got on board, too. Um, and then I was like, come on, boys. Thank you. And then I came and I watched my my, my guy Clayton go four for 16 from three. He was he was jacking them. He was trying. He was trying. 27 points. So, I mean, he was getting buckets, but four of 16 from three. Maybe he maybe shoot a couple more layups. Maybe get to the rim a little bit more, my guy. Florida had that one basket. I don't know if you saw where they got it down to their big, and he, you know, had all sorts of contact and like no foul called. And he like puts it up and it goes up straight up in the air about six feet, and it just drops into the basket. I was like, okay, Florida's got this, man. I'm feeling it now. But oh yeah, I saw it. That was the bucket that went over the team total. I had Florida's team total nice. over, and and that was the one that got there. <laughs> I was like, thank you, big sports god. I appreciate you. And then I had the over in the game, and it took overtime. So I was like, you know what, let's just call it a night, going to bed, just going to withdraw my money out and, and take a couple of days off. Because you got you got a lucky break there getting into overtime. So I was like, I'm going to take my chickens. And like Ken and Hooker said yesterday, you got to protect your chicken. And that's what I was worried about. Just cash out and go to bed. Consider it your night. You, The Florida hit on a... Miracle loose ball, and then you got overtime to get the game total. So I was like, bedtime, time to go. 
this is good to see a, a buddy of mine who uh, lives up he lives up in Indiana now, but he's a Kentucky fan. He grew up he's from the state of Kentucky. Uh, very frustrated, and he um, he still gets on the message boards, and he just sent me a frame grab from Cats Illustrated, and it's somebody who writes in, Kentucky basketball as we know it is finished. I mean over. It's done. We've got to get a grip on that. And it, as I read it, I was like, feels kind of good because it's Kentucky, but also, boy, that sounds like our fan base a little bit. So it's, uh, we're not alone with the misery sometimes yeah i think that their cope last night or or the way that they were trying to spin it or maybe it was just reality and acceptance but i saw people saying that on the ksr postgame show they were talking about how kentucky basketball is tennessee football <laughs> which i feel like i've made that comparison yeah. before but like it's a it's it's not far off in the sense of like yeah it used to be dominant and then you kind of got to realize okay that's not coming back and then you keep sliding and sliding and sliding we'll see if it gets to the depths that Tennessee football got to you know when you see somebody say that Kentucky basketball is dead as we know it I mean yeah you're not you're not the same elite program you, you are just a program in the SEC and you I don't think you've been the premier program in the SEC for the last couple of years I think that's you've been passed. I think you've been passed by both Alabama and Tennessee. You can argue about who the premier team in the conference has been between Tennessee and Alabama. Alabama's got more hardware, so if you give them the edge, I, I won't argue with you. But I do think both Tennessee and Alabama are the clear-cut like kind of class of the conference. Their programs are in the best places. Would really love if like Ohio State like you know broke the bank for. Nate Oates, and he was like, yeah, I want to move back north. That'd be great. I'd like for Nate Oates to get out of there. But I think as long as Nate Oates and Rick Barnes are at their schools, then both of them are going to stay ahead of Kentucky. Unless Kentucky does something drastic like firing a coach with a lifetime contract. And they have to kill Coach Cal. The only way to get out of a lifetime contract is to end the person's life. So RIP to him if that were to happen. Sam, are you are – you, swayed one way or the other are you leaning one way or the other after last night's action when it comes to Kentucky hosting Alabama because like I said you were kind of running out of opportunities you you needed at least one Alabama loss this week to feel good now Tennessee does still control their own destiny if Tennessee wins out they will be SEC champions but I was rooting hard for for Florida to get it done yeah I was rooting hard for Florida as well and I I thought they had a chance to do it but I mean credit to Alabama they they played a solid game and some guys that nor don't normally, I feel like, step up for them, played some really solid games. Um, but I hate those stupid hard hats. Oh, God, that was that was really – I texted y'all last night. That was really pissing me off. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel good about Kentucky this weekend, just given the fact that, I don't know, this might go back to what we were talk, arguing about last yesterday, John, with feeling good about just not being solid at home. I feel like Kentucky's just due for a a good home performance. It's hard to lose four home games point, in a right? row or whatever it is. I'm sure they've got to You'd win think. in between. But. but I just feel like Kentucky has a, a lot more to lose right now than Alabama. This feels like Kentucky's officially backed against the wall after losing on the road to LSU, and this feels like a spot where they can kind of revive themselves a little bit. It does make me a little nervous isn't the right word, but like it's disheartening to see – the fan base at Kentucky kind of be in the dumps just because I would like 
for them to be fired up for Saturday. I, if they're fired up for Saturday, if it, let's say they beat LSU last night and they come off of, you know, beating Auburn at home and looking great, or on the road, excuse me, and looking great, and then, you know, you beat LSU and you're riding a little wave of momentum and then you get a, a real raucous Rupp Arena and maybe the referees remember, hey, we're supposed to help those guys in blue, not hurt them. But now they're going to be sad and disappointed, so maybe it's not going to be as raucous. I don't know. Then like, then it would be a win-win kind of if, if they were feeling themselves and they had this big Alabama game. And then if they had gotten embarrassed by Alabama, you kind of get to laugh at them and for that too. They go, oh, well, Alabama won. But, yeah, at least Kentucky's sad. Well, let's, let's, let's soak in some of the sadness. Let's enjoy it a little because I got some more frame grabs from uh, Rupp's Rafters that this guy sent me. Frame grabs? Bob, we call those screenshots today, okay? <laughs> Whatever. Screenshot. Like frame, frame grab is nice. It kind of sounds cool. You're, you're like the, the meme of Winnie the Pooh that's normal and then Winnie the Pooh that has the bifocal on <laughs> yes, and all dressed yeah. up. Monocle. Yeah, oh, yeah bo- the monocle, not bifocal. Uh, and then like the tuxedo. Screenshot, regular Winnie the Pooh, frame grab, sophisticated Pooh. That's a, yeah, I guess that's a technical term. I'm sorry. Um, okay, let me read a few of these, though. Kentucky basketball has ceased to be fun anymore. 44 losses over the last four seasons. That is a lot, man. Wow. Well, they had that one year. Was that the the year after COVID? They were Yeah, 21 they were terrible. Like they might have only had like single digit wins or something crazy. Um our fans need to stop laughing at U of L and IU because they always do point to those two programs and they're both struggling and uh, Cal equals Bobby Bowden. <laughs> okay. That's sad because Cal's like 20 years younger than Bobby yeah. Bowden. That's awesome that they're already comparing themselves to Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Bottom line, Cal's absurd rotations and refusal to start our two most talented players has cost this team wins. Cal leaves presser after three questions. 42-27 lead, gone in a flash. We should get Eddie Grand to coach. That's pretty good. It was gone in a flash. Yeah. Going back and looking, because, you know, like I said, I, I didn't watch the second half because I assumed that – I saw a tweet like a minute into it. Like, oh, they're up 14 now. I was like, all right, time to get ready for bed. And then I looked this morning, they lost, and I, I go back and read the play-by-play, and they got up 14 and immediately quit scoring. And, like, LSU, or maybe even 12, they got up 12. And then, you know, LSU just caught them within, like, three minutes and, and had the lead. Cal currently ranks first in individual losses over a four-year period by any one coach in U.K. history. That's that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, in 2021, they went 9-16. Nine, nine and 16. That really stands out. Nine and sixteen. I don't remember that being that bad. I remember it just because, like, I want to say, like, an eight and fifteen Kentucky or eight and thirteen Kentucky came in and beat us. Like, their their record was really bad when they beat us in Knoxville. The officials took over. Yeah, it's always blame the officials. And then uh, the last one I have here, at least, Mister Cocky didn't have much to say last night, did he? 44 losses in four years, that's 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 a big number. It is. What would you guess Tennessee has in the last four years? Well, you've got four straight 20-win seasons, don't you? Yeah. 
You have three straight. Three straight. Seasons. Three straight twenty-one seasons. I bet there's. I bet thirty. Twenty-eight to thirty. Thirty. Twenty-eight to thirty. Sam. Yeah, I'm gonna say like right in the middle of that. I think that's right. Twenty-seven. You guys have too much faith in Barnes. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. So I mean, still a good ten games better than Kentucky. Although you would thought it'd be a little bit wider of a gap if they throw in a nine and sixteen. But Tennessee had a they had a losing season in that COVID year, right? The year that the you know the tournament got shut down. And... Yeah, but I wasn't counting that. And it no, wasn't I a losing know. it wasn't a losing season. You went seven and fourteen. You were you're on the you're on the bubble ish kind of. I mean, you weren't going to make it seventeen and fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were seventeen and fourteen. Like you didn't have a losing record, but it might as well have been. And you you had a outside shot of maybe winning two games in the SEC tournament and maybe getting in because the bubble was really weak that year. But but yeah, then like the next year after that, you didn't really have a great year either with eighteen and nine, twenty five and eleven, the year with Chandler that you won the SEC. It's a lot of games. Tennessee right now plus 140 to win the SEC championship. So down a little bit from plus 175 where it was to start the week. So I don't know if that's because they think Alabama looks a little beatable, if Tennessee looks good, or if it's like, hey, actually, like, Kentucky's no longer a threat and Florida's no longer a threat and and we're dropping it down and it's more of a two-team race with Auburn on the outside looking in. But, yeah, plus 140. You know who was happy about those two games last night? The outcomes with South Carolina because it helps them. You know they they got to get on the the good foot, but they you know this gives them a legitimate shot at keeping a a double bye. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that third spot you know going to probably go to Auburn. The fourth spot going to come down seemingly to a three team race: Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina. So yeah, if you're South Carolina. You feel pretty good about a couple things. You feel good about those two losses, and you're like, hey, losing that LSU team, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. See, I told you guys LSU was playing better. I tried to tell Stats by Will that I thought LSU had looked pretty good, and he, he kind of shot me down on that. I was like, Florida's coach looks like he's got it going. I was like, and LSU's coach, I've, I've been kind of impressed with them. They don't quit. They play hard, and that was another game where they got down double digits like they did against South Carolina, and it's like, okay, time to go now. Jordan Wright. You know, the Vandy transfer, he was making some plays down the stretch. And he got blocked at the end, and but kept his head and got a rebound and kind of threw an alley-oop right in front of the rim and had a guy go up and just kind of catch it and beat the buzzer on it. It was an ugly way to lose if you're Kentucky. It's a play you're going to play on your head. A lot of times, like, really, we get a good block, we get a good stop, and they pick up the trash and lay it in. I have to tip my hat to Todd Golden. I thought that was when they hired him at Florida. I was thinking, man, that's that's a big stage coming from San Francisco, and took a little bit of time, but it looks like he's got them going. He looks he looks pretty legit as a coach, too. Yeah, yeah. If you're Florida, you probably feel like you have a coach that's going to get your program back to at least like tournament tournament every year. Yeah, and and playing. A pretty good style of basketball, too. Like, if you're Florida, you're probably thankful every day that Mike White would decided just to leave to go to Georgia. You, you kind of get got to get out of jail free card. Anything else on the night that was in the SEC? Yeah, the only other thing I would say is uh, it had less consequence for us, but um, it did have consequence for the teams playing. It was Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Mississippi State won. 
Ole Miss, that's a pretty brutal loss for them just because right now they they all matter because they're a bubble team. Um, but I'm trying to look at the positive. I think Ole Miss is hosting Alabama here maybe next week. I believe it's next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whichever. Their so, midweek game is Ole Miss. So that game comes becomes even more important for Chris Beard and those guys. So got to have hope, man. Gotta a little have... desperation for the boys. Yes. Come on, Ole Miss. Yes. Oh, and then last one, and this was not SEC, but did you see the finish of the Illinois game? Uh, yeah. What a meltdown, man. The only part of the ending I saw was the, the missed shot at the buzzer. Illinois was up seven with, like, a minute to go. Mm. Meltdown. Mm. Meltdown. Against a bad Penn State team. Yes, they're bad. bad. They're bad. They just missed free throws down the stretch or turn the ball over or a little bit of both? or Yeah, missed free throws was the, the big one. They they had a – I think they were, like, one of four at the end. I and mean, then fouled a three-point shooter. Yes. Up two, and the guy goes up and hits all three. I mean, Illinois was running that game the whole time. They were up, like, 12 deep into the second half. Um, yeah. Puff Johnson's a pretty cool name. Yeah, he's a – I think he's a North Carolina transfer, Yeah, I was going right? to say, I think he was at North Carolina. Puff. That sounds familiar. I love that name. Up seven with 41 seconds left. Yeah. So it's even worse. Yeah, Penn State came down and hit a three. Got a steal, hit a layup by Puff Johnson. Then it's a two-point game. And, yeah, missed two free throws. You know? The guy that missed two free throws then turned around and fouled a three-point shooter to lose the game. So not a good end of the game for you, Coleman Hawkins. In case you're listening, tighten it up. Tighten it up. That's my advice to you, Coleman. Tighten it up. Tennessee baseball took the mound yesterday, took the field yesterday, the the, the pitch. No, that's not right. Pitches. The diamond. Diamond. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. It's alley-oop. I was just setting you up to look good. Come on. Good job. We'll talk some Tennessee baseball after the break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Are you... Don't listen, Bob. Close your ears. I know you don't like them. Oh, Leonard Skinner? Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, like, hate them. I'm just not a... Oh, don't walk it back now that you hear the the nice yeah. rhythm of the song. Don't start back. Don't start backpedaling now. Your three steps can't be towards the door. Uh... Dig those hills in. You said they sucked. Stand by it. They're kind of... That might be inappropriate. I was going to say they're kind of dead to me, but uh, wow, wow! <laughs> I, because on well, what I was getting at was I really didn't even. I heard music, but it wasn't. I wasn't like oh, it's Leonard Skinner. They suck. I just you know, just a normal tune. Just a normal tune. Just another tune. Just noise. Yeah. Just noise to Bob. Tennessee baseball. With a performance of more like I thought was we were going to get on Tuesday night. Yesterday. Uh, dominant. Dominant offensive output. Kicked ass. Sam, is there anything that we need to keep track of from that game? Or is it just kind of business as usual? Anything stand out to you? Um, I think you're just continuing to see production from young players on this team. That was kind of my takeaway from yesterday. You obviously had a... A huge day in the debut of Dean Curley there at shortstop. That's a guy that they were excited about coming into the fall. And then, you know, they kind of weaned him off a little bit right before the season uh, just to make sure that he's 100% healthy. But that's a guy that they were really excited to see. So I think seeing Dean Curley have a good outing is is really positive. And that's maybe something that you could even think about being maybe a, a 
permanent kind of spot there at shortstop, maybe kind of in the long run and being able to put Simo at second. So, I mean, obviously outside of the power that was on display all night from everyone, I think just seeing that from a young guy was great. Okay, walk me through on Dean Curley. Who is Dean Curley? Uh, he's uh, a, I know he played shortstop last night, but outside of that, who? Yeah, who he's, he? a, he's a freshman, pretty highly touted guy. I mean, he's a – obviously he's put it on display yesterday, but he's known to have a good bat. And so I think that they were uh, – Pretty confident in, in him and also this uh, Ariel Antigua kid at shortstop as well. That was kind of a, a freshman duel kind of in camp, but Antigua has been hurt. So Dean Curley kind of gets a chance to audition for that spot and puts on a hell of a performance. Now, was Curley also a little banged up? Yeah, he was banged up kind of coming into the season. And so they, I think. Kind of why he hasn't played yet. Yeah, kind of. In debut. that fall series, kind of that they played with Virginia Tech, like he was, they played him a little bit, but they weren't, you know, going full with him. Okay. I, don't, I don't think they had him at 100%. So. Okay. So maybe, maybe someone that's going to take a, a stranglehold or at least uh, have that spot locked down. Someone to look out for, for sure. As we get tuned up for conference play. I mean, mm-hmm. of course. Conference play is what matters when it comes to, to Tennessee baseball. How good can you be when you get into the conference? And even last year you saw that maybe the beginning of conference play a little overrated. As you, I believe you started 0-5 and still rallied and had a pretty good season. Would would prefer not to do that this year because I do think that was why you dug yourself too big of a hole to you know climb out of when it came to hosting a super regional or a regional you know you were never able to get back in that top 16 really so would prefer to hit the ground running when conference play came but the preseason is meant to tune up for that hey sam what do you think about um yesterday the some of these other outfielders obviously we have ensley dryling tears but then yesterday colby backus hits a home run reese chapman uh, I, I read i didn't see it but i read he, he made a huge defensive play yeah, he did are those guys really going to see that much time, do you think? or It's going to be tough. I mean, I think that's, you know, they're all kind of fighting for that spot, and I think it is kind of particularly in left field. I think, obviously, Dryling and Inslee have kind of shored up left and center field, but I think right field is maybe a spot that was kind of a competition coming into the season. Obviously, Kavaris Tears is playing out of his mind right now and, and, you know, kind of taking over that right field spot. So it seems like Chapman and, and – uh, and Bacchus, you know, might just kind of be guys that are, are kind of waiting in the wings a little bit. But it's great to have competition at that spot. And, then, you know, you can never have too many bats come SEC play. So I think you'll probably see more pinch hit action from those guys than see them in the field. Well, look, you know, a couple of years ago I had fun calling Tennessee baseball the, the Alabama football of college baseball. But there is some truth to it in the sense of you wait your turn. At Tennessee, it seems like. And you get a year, and you show out, and you go pro. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, Tears and, and Dryling both can do that, right? They're both going to be draft eligible after this year, I believe. I know Dryling is. I don't know how old Kavaris Tears is. I know uh-huh. Dryling's eligible because he's a 21-year-old uh-huh. for this for this draft, but Tears is a sophomore, so he'll have to be 21 to be able to get in. I want to say I saw someone that – Keeps up with it. It's talking about how he would be eligible. Okay. If he's old enough, he is eligible. But, like, you know, if <laughs> basically at Tennessee, the way I feel with most of these guys now is enjoy them for a year. If they get to, that's good. But, like, Vitello's kind of set that up to, like, hey, come here, wait your turn, show out the one chance you get, you can go make some money, 
and we're going to have somebody else that's ready to take over that spot. So whether we go get them in the transfer portal or, you know, there's somebody we've had on the bench developing. But, like, it does kind of feel that way to me. And, you know, you ask about the, the backup outfielders. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there was a weak spot in Tennessee's outfield for them to really play. Now, maybe, you know, somebody gets banged up or injured and you have to come in and have some depth. But otherwise, the three guys you mentioned at the start with with Inslee, Tears, and Dryling, both those guys seem pretty damn good. Or all three of those guys, excuse me, seem pretty damn good. What about Billy Amick? Is there a legend brewing there? Continues to impress, man. I mean, was unbelievable at Clemson last year, but, yeah, just continues to to flash that power. I know they were uh, interviewing Matthew Dallas after the game, and, and he said, you know, basically if you put a fastball anywhere over the heart of the plate that Billy Amick's just going to take it 440 feet. So <laughs> you learn how to how to throw your spots pretty early on with this lineup. I do like that yesterday in our segment we talked about Burke hitting second, and I was like, yeah, maybe he's got a taste of that and decided against it, and then took the lineup out and back to number two, back to the two-hole for Blake Burke. Is that the lineup you think is makes the most sense? More Burke, Amick, Peebles, Tears, kind of as that's, – that's a pretty good five. That five's oh, got yeah. a lot of power. That's a really good top five of your lineup. Does I, that make the most sense to you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a little too early to tell. It, it it sucks that, you know, Burke has kind of gotten off to a slow start in the year because if you got a little bit more production from him, it would be interesting just to see how that lineup shakes out. But, I mean, I think it's a, a, a great problem to have if, you, if you're wondering on if you should put Blake Burke at second or sixth, then everyone in between there is is a great option at the plate. So I kind of lean more towards putting Blake Burke a little bit further back in the lineup, and I, I think that you've got enough – talented bats at the top of this to kind of be able to to have that luxury of sliding him back in there yeah yeah that's what we talked about yesterday I don't know if it's just to get more looks at bad pitching to put him in and put him back at number two especially against a team although ETSU was were they supposed to be dreadful I mean because I thought they came in after having a pretty good weekend last weekend I mean against you know lower competition but showed up and, and just got embarrassed I mean that huge inning 11 run score the run rule you know, it was a third inning and just absolutely dominant. And then, yeah, you know, you don't even finish the game, which is nice. Maybe if you're Tennessee, though, you're like, hey, let's keep playing. Let, let's keep getting some guys some some innings. Let's keep getting some guys some at-bats. And let's use this as a little bit of a batting practice. But, yeah, a dominant performance. And, and Vitello was complimentary of the pitching and talked about, hey, some of these guys are opening our eyes and changing our opinions on stuff and – was asked about the weekend rotation. He said, hey, we're going to keep the, the Friday and Saturday the same. A.J. Russell's going to be your Friday guy. Drew Beam's going to be your Saturday guy. And said he doesn't know who's going to pitch on Sunday. Says, quote, the way these guys threw the ball the last two days, they actually changed our plans and made us more fresh going into the weekend. So there will be more options out of the bullpen and therefore will be a carryover for somebody to be more fresh and ready to go for Sunday. So, what do you take from that quote, Sam? Just that we're going to maybe try to just get some guys some work on Sunday, like, you know, pitch as many people as possible because he says we're more fresh and going to change. So, like, I don't necessarily know what he means by that affecting his plans because you would think, like, hey, you're still going to have your Sunday starter. Yeah, I guess he's just kind of, you know, thinking that he was 
going to be expending a couple more arms than he already has so far. So maybe he's just got a luxury of now being able to give guys a couple more innings maybe. You know, maybe he's got a, a plan that he wants to give a guy four or five instead of, you know, going like 2-2-2. Two, two, two. But when you've got – if you use so many arms in the games beforehand, it's a little bit harder just kind of fatigue. Well, yeah, I, I get that concept, but I guess I don't understand why that would affect who your starter is. If you tell me like, hey, you're going to throw more guys in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings and – and, you know, you're going to get an inning and a half or inning and a third. They don't have half innings. Inning and a third for a couple of extra guys because they didn't get to pitch on, you know, the, during the midweek game. That makes sense. But as far as, like, your plans to start, I, I found that to be a little bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah, it is a little bit of a head-scratcher to me, too, honestly. You know, maybe, maybe you see a guy like, you know, I've been talking about Nate Sneed kind of being as my pick for that third Sunday starter. You know, maybe he kind of expected to – to have Nate Sneed needing to throw a couple innings in relief kind of in these midweek games and didn't have to have him do that. And so maybe he's kind of given him the ability to, to go out there and, and give you the start, giving you four or five innings. Who knows? I don't. It is kind of a, a confusing quote there from him, but I think you'll see a, still a variety of pitchers kind of throughout the first couple of weeks of the year. Yeah, shout out to Dylan Loy from Pigeon Forge. Yeah, yeah. Got the win, and it sounds like – Tony was, you know, he only pitched an inning, but Tony was, Tony seemed happy with him. I was pretty impressed. I think you've got to feel great about a lot of these pitchers that you've thrown out so far. And I think the depth has kind of been my biggest takeaway so far on, you know, both your pitching staff and in your lineup. I think the pitching, as long as Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson are here, I mean, I think the pitching is going to be good. Yeah. Maybe even great. I mean, I think I think the pitching has been really good every year, and great a lot of the times. And the the amount of arms they can get in there and develop and and come out of the bullpen or or find to give you starts, I think is really impressive. That's why I'm not really concerned about who the third starter is going to be. I think this coaching staff has earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. And then you know, last night to throw seven innings of, of shutout baseball. When it comes to earned runs, I know they gave up a run, but nobody got dinged with that as an earned run. To have seven scoreless innings from your pitchers, I don't care who you're playing in college baseball. That's impressive. You say he's a Pigeon Forge boy? Yes. Lloyd? That's nice. A little local flair. Always nice. He might have committed like his junior year. I mean, he was an early commitment. Tony V kind of threw a little bit of a shot at uh, Chase Burns, I think, in the uh, yeah. game press conference. Yeah, so. let's talk about that because the narrative is not dead. The, the Wake Forest-Tennessee rivalry continues, Sam. Great, great call. Because I saw that quote last night, and I was like, huh. All right, do you have the quote pulled up? It says, um, let's see. I don't think you give a lot of guys freedom, but some pitchers like last year I had conversations with guys go like, we're going to move you uh, to this day on the weekend. And they say, no, I don't want to do that. We'll work with you if you have some stock in the company, so to speak. But in general, uh, just tried to mix it up a little bit and wanted to find a way to score early against a lefty, blah, blah, blah. You know, basically just said Chase Burns just wasn't willing to be able to change his role yesterday, last year. Stock in, the co- yeah. stock in the company. Was the, I love it. Was the rest of the quote about, was it a question about, like, the batting lineup? Because it sounds like at the end of the quote he's talking about the batting lineup. I'll pull up the whole quote. Well, just the, just the one you just read, the very end sounds like he's talking about the batting lineup. 
uh, maybe just like a detour to talk about, you know, guys not moving off their spots. Because it sounded to me like it was a question about, you know, maybe moving around and trying different guys in different places in the lineup. It's like, yeah, you know, we want versatility. We want people willing to move around and do some things. But, man, this pitcher I had last year who's now no longer with us, he said he's not moving off of his day. I mean, I guess technically you could be talking about Chase Dollander, I guess technically. Although it didn't feel like a quote about Chase Dollander. It felt like a quote about Chase Burns. The, the, the line stock in the company is more like if you're about the team and not yourself, then, you know, I've got I've got some time for you, you know, to like to be flexible. And I, I've had, yeah, there's, to me, no question that it's pointed towards Burns. Yeah, so he's basically in the stock of the company. He's, he's saying – if you're committed, if you're with us, if what you want to do is actually, if you think it's benefiting the team, right? I'll work with you. If you're like, hey, I think I'm the Saturday starter. I don't want to move off a Saturday, not because I'm worried about my draft stock, not because I'm worried about my NL money, but because I think I can get it done and I can do this, this, and this. He might be a little bit more willing to say, okay, I'll listen. But when it's coming across as, hey, it's about me, it's about what I want, sounds like Tony's like, hey, I don't have much time for you. Did you pull up the? Did you find the full quote? I, I can't get this article loaded that I had it on here. My internet is screwing up here. Okay, but like, yeah, it sounded to I me like it was, it was a, a detour. It sounded oh, like yeah. it sounded like it was a question about the the batting lineup, and he decided, hey, I'm going to throw this grenade on on Chase Burns right quick. Yeah. Okay. So right here, the the question, yeah, Sam, it's about. it was a question about Chase Moore, or excuse me, Christian Moore, playing second base instead of shortstop. So not exactly about the the lineup, but about him moving around and being willing to play different positions. Yeah, he's got an unselfish approach about where he's at in the lineup or where he's at in the field. Some of the pitchers, like last year, I had conversations with guys. Hey, we're going to move you to this day on the weekend. No, I don't want to do that. So yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a a little of a drive by. The narrative's still alive. The narrative's still alive. Hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two with some other stories you might have missed from yesterday. It's called About Last Night, and it's kicking off hour two. Stick with us.